The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. This week, we're bringing you the best of our annual Westminster Kennel Club programming. In segment number one, the AKC Canine Health Foundation Manager of Communications and Veterinary Outreach, Veterinarian Dr. Sharon Albright, talks about the health of purebred dogs. Hello, Dr. Albright. How are you? Hello. Good, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. Well, you know, this is my, one of my favorite program of the year because it has to do the Westminster Kennel Club. So uh, let's get started by you telling us about what the AKC Canine Health Foundation does. And um, yeah, just give us some insights into the organization. Absolutely. So the AKC Canine Health Foundation was created by the American Kennel Club in 1995 as a nonprofit organization to provide funding for canine health research. So our mission is to advance the health of all dogs through that scientific research and also sharing that health information with the dog owners and veterinary professionals that care for them. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned all dogs because I think a lot of people are under the misconception that the organization only deals with purebred dogs, correct? Well, if they have that perception, it's wrong because we really are in it for all dogs. Uh, Certainly, there are some diseases that are more prominent in individual breeds, and we work with those parent breed clubs to help define and um, prevent, treat, and cure those diseases. But a lot of our research deals with diseases that affect all dogs. So, you know, I think one of the, you know, with Westminster, there's always like, you know, the beauty, the grace, and then there's sometimes the criticisms. And I know sometimes... Some dog enthusiasts worry that purebred dogs are not as healthy as mixed breed dogs. Opine about that statement. It's a common misperception, but there really isn't definitive proof that that is true. Uh, Mixed breeds are mixed of different breeds. So a lot of health problems um, affect all dogs and multiple breeds of dogs, including mixed breeds. Okay. So, you know, I was looking at some University of California Davis research that gave me the impression that uh, there was, and, and I don't, obviously you have, I doubt you've seen the research or maybe you have seen the research, but it's not in front of you. So let's clarify that from the beginning. <laughs> One of the things I thought was really kind of interesting um, was that I, I guess I pulled away from that study after I looked at it very quickly is that there, it seems that there are more genetic disorders in purebred dogs versus mixed breed dogs. So on the other hand, I wanted to ask you if that was the case or do you find that mixed breed dogs are subject to other conditions too. I mean, do you see more genetic disorders in purebreds? So that's a good question. When it comes to genetic disorders, it really depends when the causative genetic mutation occurred. There are some mutations that happen more recently, so they're going to affect a smaller population of dogs, maybe within a specific breed or family line. But there are also genetic mutations that happened hundreds years of years ago, well before the development of modern dog breeds. So those diseases caused by those mutations can show up in different breeds, very unrelated, and mixed breed dogs. So give me an example of what you're talking about. Give me an example. Sure. So there is a disease, uh, a lysosomal storage disease, and this can get 
kind of heady scientifically, but what happens is waste products build up in cells of the central nervous system. Okay. And then it affects obviously the function of that central nervous system. And it's a pretty devastating um, group of diseases. But again, we've learned that the mutation that can cause that happened long ago. So there are slight variations in that mutation, but they happen in unrelated dog breeds as well as mixed breed dogs. And sure. it just depends on the specific genetic material that made it into each dog or into each line of dogs that will determine how prominent it is and if and when it becomes a clinical problem. Okay, great. Um, so, huh, what about mixed breeds? Do we see a, a specific or any health concerns more with them than versus purebred dogs? Or it's kind of just roll the dice, whatever the day is kind of thing. Well, when it comes to genetic material, right, that it wasn't manipulated by people trying sure. to create or to get certain traits and, and uh, whether they be health related or appearance related. Uh, but there are a lot of diseases that really affect all dogs because genetics is not the only piece of this puzzle. Sure. So there are environmental factors, uh, diseases such as tick-borne disease. We're all living out in these tick-infested environments. Epilepsy is another disease that can affect a lot of different breeds of dogs. And even some cancers like hemangiosarcoma, which is a cancer of the cells that line blood vessels. Again, a pretty devastating cancer. We tend to think of it in big dogs or large breed dogs, mm -hmm. but it can really affect all dogs. So those are some of the diseases that we're really working on at the AKC Canine Health Foundation. Because yeah, we want to help all dogs. See, this is why we need to have Dr. Sharon on more often to talk about some of the things that they're stuck. Talk about tick-borne diseases because that's always, year after year, it's always a biggie. It is, and they are just, uh, the more we learn, sometimes the more frightening it gets <laughs> because there are more and more of them and ticks are spreading and they can cause a lot of trouble. But the AKC Canine Health Foundation has funded uh, lots of studies as part of our tick-borne disease research initiative, looking at the best ways to sample for ticks, what, how, what different diseases the different ticks carry, how the canine immune system responds, like why do some dogs get very ill from Lyme disease and others just have a positive blood test but never really have any symptoms of illness. And again, there's not any one single answer, but there's just a lot of information and a lot of good work being done to get some more accurate information. But the, the take-home message for tick-borne diseases is just try to keep them off of your dogs and off of your human family members as well. Sure. Because prevention really is so much better. Yeah, those. and learn from the masters. I mean, these people are going to dog shows every weekend, you know, <laughs> 52 weeks a year and then some. And they're at a lot of dog shows are outside. And, you know, ticks are everywhere these days. I mean, primarily we hear about them in certain states like Michigan and Connecticut, and Massachusetts and New York. Um, but I think the other thing that's really important about the AKC Health Foundation, a lot of their research um, also gets used in human medicine. Isn't that correct? I mean, it is. Yes. So dogs are our closest companions. They share our household with us. They often eat a lot of the same foods. We're exposed to the same environmental conditions in our houses and in our yards, the same chemicals. So we are finding that a lot of our diseases are shared. So also tell us how you're funded. I mean, can people send a donation if they want? Absolutely. We rely on the generosity of our donors and participating dog clubs. Uh, so you can visit our website and there's lots of different ways to get involved, whether you want to become a member, uh, whether you want to just give a flat donation, 
You can send a tribute donation in honor or memory of a special dog or a special human friend uh, to help uh, honor their memory. So there's lots of different ways to get involved and we'll be happy to help you do that. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, you know, I like, again, once again, I think it's a great, you know, when you're perusing, you know, you're definitely stopped by the AKC Canine Health Foundation website because there's a lot of good information on there. And it's really one source that you can go to on a consistent basis and get news about all dogs, not just purebred dogs. Absolutely. We have a lot of educational resources on the website, whether they just be uh, short articles. We do have webinars that are designed to instruct from the pet owner up to veterinary professionals looking for continuing education. We have a lot of tools to help understand the daunting world of genetic testing. So absolutely stop by and check out the resources. We'd love to share this important and the latest breaking health information with you. Yeah. And there's also great breed information up there too. So if you have a purebred dog that you want to learn more about or are interested in a purebred dog, that's a really good place to look for information other than um, the parent club or the any local club or any research that's out there uh, or primarily check out the universities as well. Well, Dr. Sharon Albright, thank you so much for being with here today. We appreciate it. So to learn more about Dr. Sharon Albright and the American Kennel Club Canine Health Foundation, visit akcchf.org. Up next, learn how a dog breed receives AKC recognition and becomes part of the growing AKC family. Be back in a buzzworthy moment. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to The Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddy is going to be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. 
Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. So welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz's Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show Programming. I'm petrodologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And we are very excited to learn more about the second oldest sporting event in the United States and the diversity or lack of diversity in the sport of purebred dogs. Joining us today is Remy Smith-Lewis, Senior Recruiting Partner, Diversity and Inclusions Recruiting Strategies, at 23 and me, but he is also the breeder, owner, handler of Portuguese water dogs. Remy, welcome to the Pet Boss today. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Okay, why the PWD or the Portuguese water dog? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I was, I grew up in the Bay Area um, and there's a dog, one of the last other bench dog shows in the country is Cow Palace, held in downtown in San Francisco, Daly City outside of there. And at the same, my mother took me to my first dog show there when I was a kid, as nine. At the same time, the San Francisco Giants were using PWDs to catch home run balls that went over the fence into McCovey Cove. And so it just was kind of like super cool. The breed was super popular. Um, I went to the dog show, met some breeders, fell in love with the breed, and the rest is history. Cool. You know, I like that. I like the fact that he saw these dogs at a sporting event catching the balls as a kid. I, I saw it too. I saw it on TV. Well, I, it was a big publicity. I mean, they had it on the news and everyone was talking about it. It was a, it was kind of a cool heartstring kind of, it was a brand new stadium. And I think sure. it was kind of cool for, but for I everyone. Think that's just cool. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, that's what it is. That's how a lot of kids get interested. And they got in there quick. They got there quicker than the kayaks did to get the balls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Okay, so I happened to do a little research and I noticed on Twitter to other other than loving your wife (laughs) and your dog, (laughs) of course, you're a preservation breeder. So talk to us about preservation breeder. What is that? Yeah. So, you know, preservation is is someone who is preserving these heritage breeds. You know, purchase water dogs were here way before me and I want them to be here way after me. And so it's purposely breeding these dogs you know, both phenotypically and genotypically so that they act, look, and are a Portuguese water dog. Um, and that when someone down the line says, I want a Portuguese water dog, that I have preserved this breed for them and they can enjoy them just as much as I do today. You know, there are very few African-Americans in the world of showing dogs, of course. How'd you get started and what are the breeds you show? Yeah. So I think as any dog kid, I, I love dogs from like, as long as I can remember. And I remember seeing dog shows on TV and so Bill Cosby owned a Lakeland Terrier named Awesome Blossom that Clay Cody showed. And Bill Cosby had a book named Little Bill, uh, a TV show. And as a kid, I loved that, like that whole connection a little bit. And then I think going to Cow Palace and seeing um, the Portuguese water dogs, like all kind of drove it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had Portuguese water dogs is probably my main breed. Um, I own some Springers. And then when I was very young, we had American Pitbull Terriers, um, uh, had a couple other terrier breeds. We also have a Danny Dinmont Terrier. Um, but Portuguese water dogs is our, like our Bill movie. Cosby. Like Bill Cosby also like had Bill Harry. Cosby. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, but but Portuguese water dogs are our main breed. The Dandy is my wife and I's kind of pet, and she's our 
our she was our COVID puppy. So we we got her beginning of that. And we've had her. So yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad to hear that because that is a breed that is not very popular. It's, it's not. not a breed that people are going out and looking for. And it's a breed. Right. I'm not going to say it's in crisis, but in a way it's very it's right. there's just not that many dandy Denmont Terrier breeds. So right. I think exactly. in my three practices, I don't have a patient yeah. that's a, din- a dandy Denmont. Dandy Denmont. Yeah. Interesting. You they're know, fabulous breed. I mean, they're fabulous. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I have to tell you that in in a, a my practice, particularly over the last three years, where I've had an extended amount of activity with three praxis, I am seeing so many more, and it's wonderful to see African Americans owning pets, caring about the pets, bringing them in, and getting the proper attention for health care, and talking to each other about it, talk to everybody else about it, and everybody talking to them. It's wonderful. I think it's a great way for everybody to find that movement together. You know, I haven't shown dogs in a really long time, but, you know, being uh, in the pet industry and going to, to dogs, being a member of, over the years, Greenwich Kennel Club, member of Morris and Essex, which I'm still a member of, being a member of the Toy Dog Club in New York, and, you know, going to Westminster for many, many many, many years. But you know what? There could be school talks. There can so, be, you know, a, a reach out program to. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the AKC did have like kids coloring books. My, my third grade teacher, God bless her, Miss Riles. I remember she had ordered like this coloring book kit from the AKC, like how to take it was like a like a whole curriculum. I think it was like a couple right. coloring books in the And um, I remember she ordered it for the whole class. But I think like especially for me, because she knew my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe the AKC could do more with partnering with inner city schools of just like sending these, if they still have them, these like coloring book and like how to take care of a dog and like, these are the breeds. And it went, it was like a whole week. I remember it. And, um, yeah, it was like, there was like a proper care. These are the breeds, these are the groups. Yeah. Miss Riles, I forget. Yeah. God bless her. She did that. Hey, that coloring book shouldn't just be for kids. It should be for some of the adults. Let me tell you. I mean, I grew up in a very non-diverse area and I had my sister was uh, a teacher in 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 urban New York City. And I remember like I learned about like civil rights and historical black figures. I'm My parents are like mixed marriage, like mixed religion, whatever. And I mean, I learned from I learned from comic books. I had like the series on African-American yeah. Uh, anyway, so you had a really important question to ask. And I, I thought it was, do. I you know, it was cool. many people do not know the role of African-Americans in regards to the Kentucky Derby. A few years ago, Churchill and even this year had retrospective of the contributions to the sport of horse racing, highlighting their wins, mm-hmm. the role of the role that slavery played and how they were edged out of the sport in the 1930s in the 1930s Mm -hmm. uh would you like to see a retrospective of current african-americans showing dogs i mean i'm sure there's probably some backstory history of of some folks who probably need some credit um i I think there has been some very successful african-american handlers in this country um and and who've done extremely well Um, the list goes on right you know gene blake hiram stewart keith carter chris burke um, Dr. McCain, right, was the first AKC judge in the in the 30s, 40s. James Taylor, right? Like, there's, I mean, there's been some people who who've gone and done very, very well and are very successful. Do I think there's probably some unwritten heroes? Yeah, I'm sure there is. And if someone wants to take on that challenge to to look up the history, I would love to see it. But I, I think the beautiful thing I will say about dog shows is 
I do feel that no matter your socioeconomic class, who you are, your how much money you make, I think everyone does have a level playing field once you step foot in the ring. I think you do find people of different means all competing and all have a fair chance for the most part. I'll have a fair chance and anyone can win on any day. And I think that's the beauty of dog shows. You know, it's funny because, you know, you just listed a whole bunch of people. You know, it would be nice. And I actually maybe I'll write to Florence and Gail to include the first African-American judge in the history of the Westminster Kennel Club timeline. Mm -hmm. I would I mean, I would like to see that because mm -hmm. I think he's done a couple fun things in Black History Month. I mean, no, they, in the, they, I'm uh, sorry, in the Westminster timeline. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Everyone, that was Remy Smith-Lewis. He is breeder owner handler of Portuguese Water Dogs. Uh, we can't wait to see his dogs at Westminster this year. For more information about Remy and his kennel, visit RemusKennels.com. More of the pup buzz after this commercial break. Stay tuned because we're talking about how to get a breed legit with the AKC. And later on in the show, we're going to find out about buying a purebred dog from one of our favorite guests, Gina Dinardi. That's going to be great. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple. And it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. <laughs> I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. This week, we're bringing you the best of our annual Westminster Kennel Club programming. You know, there are four new breeds debuting at this year's Westminster Kennel Club dog show presented by Prina Pro Plan. And they are the Beaver Terrier, the Barbet, the Belgian Lakenois, and the Doggo Argentino. But how does a new breed gain recognition? Well... Joining us today is Stacy Abel, the vice president of the Barbe Club of America. Stacy was involved with the Barbe since 2004. She's the founding member of the Barbe Club of America. She was instrumental in the application of the Barbe into the AKC Foundation Stock Service Program, which laid the groundwork for the breed as it stands in the U.S. today. Stacy has served in numerous roles in the club and actively shows her Barbe in AKC, that's American Kennel Club, as well as CKC. Canadian Kennel Club events in which many of her dogs past and present have earned championships. She enjoys working and training with her dogs. Stacy, it's a pleasure having you on the Pet Buzz today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I'm just curious, why the Barbet? Why did you pick that breed of dog to show? Well, they're beautiful, for one. Um, you see one and you just can't help to fall in love with their shaggy, beautiful 
faces and they just have such a great personality, but um, it was just kind of, I don't know. I just, I love them. So I couldn't not get involved and here we are now. Now they're in the AKC and going to Westminster in two weeks. Great. So how does a breed get recognized? What do you, what do you need to start the process? Sure. Um, other countries have, it has to be recognized in other countries um, or have a longevity in the States um, and have a good record of that. Um, with our breed, we had other countries had them already registered and had a several years, if not decades of the Barbet being recognized in other countries. Cool. Well, that, that's kind of interesting, especially versus, you know, especially here in the U.S., like having a 40 year history. That's a lot. I mean, that means the breed is, in a sense, already established. OK, so talk about the foundation stock service, because I know I said in your introduction, you were really involved with that, with the Barbet. Tell us, you know, how does that work? Um, you know, what do the breeds have to do to get recognized? Sure. So the Foundation Stock Service is amazing. Christine over there is wonderful to work with. Um, they are the record keeping service for rare breeds. And uh, the ultimate goal for many is to get full AKC recognition. So there were several steps along the way for us, um, including sending in history, starting a club, sending in pictures, um, and just doing a whole bunch of things. But they, they were phenomenal to work with. I would assume they're probably, I mean, you guys got recognition, recognition, is it this year? Uh, 2020, beginning of 2020. 2020. Okay. So you've been already recognized for a year. It must be, how many breeds are kind of like stuck in that? I don't want to say it's limbo, but it's stuck in that, that program, I guess you would say. Sure. I think right now FSS has 12 breeds. Wow. That's a lot of breeds. And, and, and then other than you, three other new breeds have been recognized. So we're, I know we're really excited to see your breed of dog at Westminster. Okay. So, so how does the AKC, I guess, in terms of the foundation stock service, how does the AKC protect breeds that are already exist? Sure. Yeah. The FSS, again, so supportive and helpful. They have a stud book. They um, help us register dogs um, and they, you know, three generation pedigree is very important. Um, they just, you know, the whole AKC is such a, you know, great thing for breeds in general. And they were very, very helpful. And they try to help us through every step of the way. Okay. So what's next? Now let's move forward and talk about the miscellaneous class. What are the minimum that a breed needs to move forward to leave foundation stock service to get into the miscellaneous class? Yeah. Each step along the way had different bullet points and things that we had to work for. And we had, uh, we started a club. Uh, we had to write a standard and we had a committee for that. Um, for the miscellaneous to full recognition, we needed 20 litters. We needed 100 members with 20 being in different states. Uh, we had uh, to do two open shows. We had to do several judges education, meet the breeds and show that we were very serious in our breed and wanting our breed to be fully recognized. That seems like a lot of work. I mean, I know, like I said, I know you were instrumental. Obviously, you didn't do it all by yourself. There are other people. But the fact that people exist throughout the country, you have to have three generations. You have to have, you know, these generations of pedigrees. The breed standard. Now, I understand it's really a challenge um, in creating a, a breed standard, especially if you are starting out with a foreign breed of dog, bringing it here because the standard has to conform to what the AKC considers more of their model standard, correct? Correct. Um, they were already accepted in Canada. So we had some framework from them to work with as well as some of the international, you know, France, England, um, some of the other countries too, but the AKC gave us framework to work through and we had to go through each piece and make sure we use the proper language and 
you know, it was a process, but it was it was a wonderful process to go through. I bet it was. And it makes you just feel so instrumental in in working with your your fave breed of dog. So I would assume it seems like it didn't take that long for you, your breed, the Barbet to be recognized. I mean, can it take a long time? How long does it usually take for breeds to be recognized? I think some breeds go pretty quickly. The Beaver Terrier, I think, went fairly quickly. Some take a little bit longer. And our whole process was about 13 years. So okay. it, it, yeah. That, I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot. Of, that's a commitment on your part. So congratulations to all that you've done. Because, I mean, 13 years, I mean, yeah, we look back and think, wow, that went quickly. But really, it didn't. I mean, the pains of, like, getting the revisions and finding the right people who want to be in leadership positions and figuring out how to mobilize with others can not always run so absolutely smoothly, but for the love of purebred dogs, you know, I think it's, it's amazing. You know, I think sometimes um, purebred dog enthusiasts, sometimes, you know, and everyone says, you know, adopt, don't shop, but realistically people have no idea the commitment it takes to keep a breed of dog going, you know, to find the right pet owners, the expense, um, doing the DNA, the expense of the testing, the expense of the keeping, traveling and um, doing events like Meet the Breed so the general public gets to really know and understand why there's such a devotion for these breeds of dog. So once again, thank you so much for your contribution and your commitment to your breed. Sure. And as you mentioned before, getting the right people and getting a group of a board working together and all working towards that same goal. And we were fortunate in our breed to have several people across the country all work together and really getting out there and doing events. Um, you have the Certificate of Merit is, is the rare breed championship, if you will. And so we had 22 Barbet earn the Certificate of Merit. Uh, we had countless Meet the Breeds and Judges Education. It's it's just a lot of, lot of work, but it, it, worth it. So uh, it, obviously this is a long process. I mean, um, you know, I encourage you guys to go out to uh, watch the Westminster Kennel Club dog show since we know due to uh, New York State COVID-19 regulations, there will be no spectators at the show. You can watch on the Fox app. You can watch on the WKC.org, Westminster Kennel Club. Dot org site, watch some great dogs in the afternoon, definitely hit the breeds, look at the new breeds. You know, that's the greatest thing about whether it's a local or national dog show. There's always some new breed that you've never heard of. It's funny because in my studio, Stacy can't see it, but we have lots of art on the walls here other than this step and repeat, but uh, things that mean something to us. And there is a AKC guide to purebred dogs. And now we just have to get another one. What a great interview, Stacey. Thank you so much for uh, visiting with us today. So uh, any plans? For well, Westminster? I'm going to, uh, to have fun. It's the first Westminster that I've ever attended. So I am so excited. Yeah, it's great. Well, everyone, that was Stacey Abel, a champion of the, the champ, a champion and a champion for the Barbet breed. She is the vice president of the Barbet Club of America, was instrumental in helping the breed achieve AKC recognition. To learn more about Stacy and the handsome Barbet breed, visit Barbet Club of America to find out more about how a breed becomes a recognized dog breed and part of the AKC family. Visit akc.org. And I'm glad that she was able to explain the process. It seems like it's a very time-consuming process, really based on a lot of devotion 
to the breed and really working really hard with a lot of people to make sure you not only achieve the numbers, but you cross all your T's and dot your I's. And up next, we're talking about what you need to know about buying a purebred and AKC registered uh, dog. We're excited. Gina DiNardo is going to be with us. She's one of our favorite guests on the Pet Pod. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment. For the full-length, unedited video versions of all of our interviews, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're listening to the Pet Buzz. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Ever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. country. And of course, we're happy to present this special programming each year. We enjoy talking about the 145th annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. You know, in this upcoming segment, we're going to talk about buying a purebred dog. So many people watch this show each year in order to find the dog of their dreams. But we want to give help when purchasing that particular dog. If you recall, remember this, a few weeks ago, we talked about pet scams during the pandemic. Remember that with the Better Business Bureau. And a lot of those scams had to do with purebred dogs. But right now we're going to have an expert. We're going to get expert advice about buying a purebred dog straight from the American Kennel Club. We welcome one of our favorite guests back to the Pet Buzz, Gina DiNardo. Gina is the executive secretary for the American Kennel Club. Gina has had lifelong involvement with purebred dogs and has more than 30 years experience in the sport of purebred dogs, primarily with Dobermans, Great Danes, Bichons, Boxers, Dachshunds, Beagles, Golden Retrievers, and more. More. Hey, Gina, it's really a pleasure to have you back on the show with us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I will ask you the first question, Gina, why is a dog show, whether it's local or a national show like the AKC National Championship or even the annual Westminster Kennel Club dog show, a great place to look for a purebred dog? Well, A, because you can see the variety of shapes and sizes and types of dogs that are available to you to choose from. And there are a lot of really rare breeds that you don't see walking down your main street that might be perfect pet for you, but you don't know about them. And then of course there are the breed experts that own those dogs that you can quiz and talk to and pet dogs and learn. And it's just a great fun environment and a great place to start a search. It really is. I mean, it's so exciting every year when you go to any dog show, big or small. And it's a bench show. 
Yeah. Does that make a difference where people can actually go up and talk with the trainers and yeah. show yeah. people? And that's, that's a good point, Dr. Fleck. I mean, Westminster is a bench show. Right. It's one of the last bench shows in the country. So that's the nice thing. You get to see all the great dogs and you get to compare and contrast. And you know what? The nice thing about a bench show, if you do find a nice breeder, they'll give you your contact information, which yeah. is, you know, and you could talk to the people and see what and see the variations. If you have a dachshund, if you were interested in dachshunds, you can see the difference or English toys. Yes. The hard thing about a dog show is not benched is if you're uh, someone from the public is making sure you're there when they're being judged, because often you'll show up at. 11 o'clock and the dachshunds were on at 8 30 and now there's like only one left at the dog show you know <laughs> good point good yeah. point so other than the dog show what resources can be utilized for a dog lover maybe to find a purebred dog they might want well of course my favorite resource is akc.org it's a great place to start because you can search breeds you can find out their history we have a fun breed selector tool so you can plug in what kind of dog and exercise requirements, energy level kind of things that you want. And that'll give you a list of breeds to start considering. Also, the parent club or the national breed club that represents the breed you're interested in. For example, the Golden Retriever Club of America. They're dedicated to preserving, protecting, and promoting their breed. So they're a great resource. AKC also has a marketplace where Breeders can list their litters. You can find responsible breeders. Find out about programs we have for responsible breeders like Bread with Heart or uh, other Breeder of Merit programs. And then also we have a Puppy Visor service where you can actually work with AKC experts in helping to find you a specific breeder for the breed that you decide is right for your family. So many great resources the AKC has. You know, and people, I think this is why it's so great to have Jeannie here, because I think it's really important. You know, um, we were talking in the intro about, you know, a lot of the with a Better Business Bureau a few weeks ago about all of the potential puppy scams that went on during COVID. And a lot of them had to do with purebred dogs. And it's yeah. unfortunate. Or, you know, we tell people until they're blue in the face, do not buy a dog off the Internet. So, Gina, talk to us about why it's a good idea once you found that that breed of your dreams to conduct some research? Well, because I think just knowledge is power, right? And the more you know, the better decisions you can make in general. And it's important to know what the history and the function and the purpose of the breed was because it helps you understand the dog, right? Every dog's an individual, of course, but they're going to have traits and tendencies based on what they were bred for. And so having that kind of knowledge helps you understand your puppy at the very beginning, may help with training techniques, may help you understand why that dog always wants to go catch that ball and bring it back to you, or why that other dog just wants to sit on the couch until it sees a squirrel, you know, run across the window. Uh, and that's the first thing. And then, of course, I just think it's very interesting to learn how all of these different breeds have developed. And it's wonderful if you can be part of preserving and protecting a rare breed, you know? So if you learn about a breed through a book because you can't find a lot of them and then you choose to be part of the, the group of people that are preserving it for the next generation, that's really cool. And that's a good point because we, on the show uh, for our special Westminster program, we just interviewed Remy Smith. Remy uh -huh. Smith 
And he talked about how he has a dandy did Monterrier. And I was so impressed because that's a breed that's not very popular. Right. Uh, and it's a breed that I'm not going to say is in crisis, but we have less and less people buying those dogs and breeding those dogs each year. So, I mean, I think that's that's par for the course. I also think it's great. Um, it's also great preparation. And I would uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to agree with me to really understand if you buy a book or do some research about the, the breed, know what health problems could possibly come about. That's just exactly what I was going to mention, because many breeds, as you well know, specifically have health conditions that might be in the families of those particular breeds. Uh, thinking in terms of the Dalmatian. Dalmatian, for example. Yeah. Um, and so if people are aware of this, it makes it a lot easier to deal with those health issues and provide a better quality of life for their pet, that part of the family, for a longer period of time. I also think it's a good idea if you learn what those health issues are. You could also, as Gina, I'm sure would, and it's probably going to say any minute, you could talk <laughs> to the breeder about testing. Absolutely. Any reputable breeder would be happy to show you proof of health screenings, explain health conditions that typically affect the breed, explain how and those issues are in their own dog's bloodlines, the modes of inheritance, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's kind of moves right into my next question when I say, why is it always the best idea before buying a purebred dog to visit a breeder, preferably at their home, not the Walmart parking lot? <laughs> well, <laughs> you never want to see them at the Walmart parking lot. You want to actually based on a true story. Some people bought a beagle and actually uh, within an hour after they bought the dog in the Walmart parking lot, they came to Dr. Flex discount clinic. So oh, like a joke between the two of us. So sorry, Gina, go ahead. No, absolutely. Right. A breeder would want you to come into their home and see where the puppies were raised and how they're being socialized and introduce you to at least the dam, maybe the sires there. Oftentimes it won't be, but the mom will be there. And you can just see all the different the puppies and see they're going to have different personalities. And the breeder will help match you with the right dog puppy in that litter, right? You may say, oh, I think that's the puppy I want. But the breeder with their expert knowledge about their bloodline and the personalities of their dogs will go, oh, no, maybe this dog might be better for your family. Wonderful information and great recommendations. Thanks for joining us today, Gina. My pleasure. We love having Gina I see know. she answers the question. <laughs> it's fun. It's like, a, it's, it's fun. So anyway, to learn more about Gina and the American Kennel Club, visit akc.org. My money is on Gina being the next president of the AKC. Oh, good. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Dr. Fleck, it's too soon to wrap the show, but we hope that you all enjoy the annual Westminster Kennel Club special programming. For more information for the show, check out the Pet Buzz social media channels. And of course, we're going to have an upcoming watch party. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. What are we going to talk about next week, Dr. Fleck? Next week, we're going to talk about, wow, canine coronavirus. Yeah. That's infected humans. Yeah. And the effect of music on dogs. Plus a whole lot more. And who can we give our special thanks to? Stacey Abel, Remy Smith-Lewis, and Gina DiNardo. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton, and of course, EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll try to cover it on next week's show. 
Yeah. And if you missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.